0: Our Bible reading tonight is taken from the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to read together the first 18 verses. Daniel chapter 3, let's hear the word of the Lord. If you have your Bible there, follow the wording very carefully. Let's hear the reading of Holy Scripture. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counsellors, the sheriffs and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, and captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counsellors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace." Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, "'O king, live forever.' Thou, O king, has made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own infallible and inerrant word. Now, this evening, I'm continuing our series of expository sermons in the book of Daniel. And tonight, my text is found in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. It reads Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. And my theme tonight is taking a faithful stand against an idolatrous statue. Now, according to Daniel 3, Nebuchadnezzar made a great image of gold. This image was 90 feet high, 9 feet wide, using a cubit of 18 inches, and set it up in the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. Now, I have no doubt that the building of this image was partly inspired by the dream of a great image that Nebuchadnezzar had that's recorded in Daniel 2. Remember we read in Daniel chapter 2 verse 31, thou O king sawest and beheld a great image. I also believe that Nebuchadnezzar was full of pride. He was behaving egotistically when he built this image. He wasn't just content to be the head of gold, but he wanted to be the whole image. He certainly wasn't going to have an image whose feet was made of clay that could be destroyed by a powerful stone, but he wanted feet of gold as well. I believe that he wanted to convince himself of the durability and the invincibility of of the kingdom of Babylon. Like gold, he wanted it to last forever. Then upon the building of the image, he gathered together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counsellors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image. Think of the assembled crowd of dignitaries. They were informed at what time they heard the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, that they were to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. Now, picture that scene. You see, this really happened. We know who the potentate was on the throne at this time, Nebuchadnezzar. We know the place. It was the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. And here's the setting of this biblical event. I want you to think of this image tonight. Imagine you're an American soldier, you've been sent to the Persian Gulf or the Middle East, you're there to liberate Kuwait, let's suppose you're a, a tank commander, you're scanning the landscape for enemy troops, you fire rockets to take out a bridge over the river Euphrates, and as you do that, I want you to recall, this is where it all began. It began nearby. This is where the Garden of Eden was nearby it was near this spot. It was nearby that Nimrod built the city of Babel. It was here that the tower of Babel was built. Here the kingdom of Babylon had its birth. And if you think of the reference to the land of Shinar in Genesis chapter 10 verses 8 to 10, and then add in Genesis 11 verses 1 and 2, remembering, of course, that Babylon means confusion. And it was from here. It was nearby the place that Abraham was called of God to leave the earth, the Chaldees and go into a land that he didn't know, where God would bless him and where God would be with him. And this is the same place. The Tower of Babel was built here. This is the very same place where Daniel's three friends made a faithful stand for God. And we're thrown alive into the fiery furnace. See, young people tonight, I want you to understand, this is not just a fairy story. This is not a myth or make-believe story. This is an actual event in history. This really happened. And not only do we know the potentate tonight who was on the throne and know the place, but we know now the procedure. There was a plan here. There was a protocol Once the six instruments sounded And the royal command was given The people were to fall down And worship the image of Nebuchadnezzar I want you to remember That this was a do or die situation This was a bend or burn situation Now think of the whole company here It says in verse 7 Therefore at that time And all the people heard the sound of the cornet Flute, harp, sackbut, sultry And all kinds of music All the people, the nations And the languages Fell down and worshipped the golden image That Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up
1: However out
0: of that vast crowd Three men stood out Three young men as the late Dr. Paisley said, they refused to bend or to budge or to burn. Everyone else had all bowed the knee, but they stood upright. They stood out. The rest were on their faces, worshiping the image, but they were on their feet, refusing to worship that image. They were reported to Nebuchadnezzar. He, he sent for them. He, he got into a furious rage with them. He asked them in verse 14, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up? He then proceeded according to verse 15 to give them a a second opportunity to do so. Listen to their answer. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, verse 16, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter? If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Link up Daniel chapter 3 verse 1. And Daniel chapter 3, verse 18. And as you put the two together, here are three young men taking a faithful stand against an idolatrous statue. And as I've already told you, I believe this is a true story in the Bible, one that's supernatural in character, one that's really extraordinary. Of course, I believe that the best stories, young people, are found in the Word of God. And as I have read and reread this story, I've asked myself, what can I learn, Lord, from these first 18 verses? And as I have studied and meditated in the scriptures, there were three things come to mind. Let me share them with you. First of all, I want you to think here of a foreshadowing of the Antichrist. It says in Daniel 3 verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. So I want you to think of Nebuchadnezzar exercising political power over the whole world. Who built this image? The answer is simple. Even the children could answer that. Nebuchadnezzar. You can see it there in verse 1. It's in bold letters. He gave the orders. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar is the first world Gentile ruler. Remember, we've already told you the times of the Gentiles have just begun. The times of the Gentiles, it's only used once in the Bible. Luke chapter 21, verse 24, it says, And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And I believe that the times of the Gentiles began with Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He's the first world Gentile ruler. And uh, it was ushered in after Nebuchadnezzar invaded the land of Judah and took captives, thousands of Jewish people, and slaughtered teen thousands as well destroyed the walls of Jerusalem burnt its temple and its gates and due to rebellion due to disobedience of the children of Israel against the Lord their God the children of Israel were um, sent into captivity and here's this uh, sovereign God and he has given the power to rule over the whole world the Gentiles and that rule will remain in their hands until the Lord Jesus returns in power and glory. So you've got to think of Babylon as the first great world Gentile emperor. Nebuchadnezzar was the first ruler over it and he built this image of himself. As everybody told you it was 90 feet high and nine feet wide. Do you know that Nebuchadnezzar tonight possessed an absolute power over the whole earth. If you remember his dream in chapter 2. And the interpretation thereof. Remember four different metals. The image had a head of gold. And what Daniel said to him. In Daniel chapter 2. He says in verse 36. This is the dream. And we will tell the interpretation thereof. Before the king. Thou O king. art the king of kings. Underline that. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom Power and strength and glory And wheresoever the children of men dwell The beasts of the field and the fowls of heaven Hath he given into thine hand And hath made thee ruler over them all Thou art this head of gold The same theme was taken up by the prophet Jeremiah In Jeremiah chapter 27 I referenced this last week, but it will do no harm to uh, read it again. I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are upon the ground, by my great power and by my outstretched arm, and have given it unto whom it seemed meet unto me. And now have I given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant and the beasts of the field have I given him also to serve him, and all nations shall serve him, and his son, and his son's son, until the very time of his land come. And then many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of him. If you turn also tonight to Daniel chapter 5, here's Daniel, and he's addressing the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar called Belshazzar. And he says in Daniel chapter five, and rehearsing a little bit about his knowledge of Nebuchadnezzar, he said, And according to Daniel chapter five, and we'll read together verse eighteen and nineteen, O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom, and majesty, and glory and honour. And for the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Now notice this. Whom he would, he slew. And whom he would, he kept alive. And whom he would, he set up. And whom he would, he put down. Do you see that? Men feared and trembled before Nebuchadnezzar. He was a man who ruled with absolute power. He was really the most powerful man in the world at this time. And he represented this head of gold. In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. When the Medes and Persians were in power. Daniel was told not to pray to any other god. He had to offer prayer unto the king of the Medes and Persians. And if he didn't he'd be cast into the den of lions. And of course The thought is here in Daniel 6 that once the king had signed an edict, it couldn't be changed. It was known as the law of the Medes and the Persians. In other words, the king was helpless. Once it was signed, it it stood forever, for time and eternity. But I want to tell you what Nebuchadnezzar would have done. He would have torn the edict into bits. No man would have defied him. Whom he would, he slew. Whom he would, he spared. Whom he would, he set up. Whom he would, he struck down. You see, one of the outstanding features of Nebuchadnezzar is this, that he was a man who ruled with absolute power. As I have told you, I believe he was the most powerful man in the world. And I believe tonight that Nebuchadnezzar is the forerunner of the Antichrist, the final Antichrist, who will come in the coming days, the man of sin and the son of perdition. A man who will also wield absolute power over all the earth. Power that's not been witnessed before from the days of Nebuchadnezzar. In the coming days, Antichrist who will come. He could well be the devil incarnate to imitate Christ who's God incarnate. This man of sin will be the most powerful man in all of the earth. He'll be the most powerful man that the world has ever seen. Now how do I know that? Well if you turn tonight to Daniel chapter 8 and look with me at the verse 23. And in the latter time of their kingdom when the transgressors are come to the full a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up and his power shall be mighty but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. He's going to be a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sayings. And his power will be mighty in the earth. That's the testimony of the Holy Ghost. And this man, I believe, will be energized by the powers of darkness. And this man will do as he pleases and what he wants and when he wants. And if we tie in another scripture in the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 11 and verse 36, we read these words, And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, And shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods. And shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that, that is determined, shall be done. Nobody will say no to this king. Nobody will stop him. Nobody will stay his hand. And if you turn over in your Bible tonight to the book of Revelation... Revelation 13 and verse 7. And I want you to remember that Daniel 3 is past history. But Revelation 13 is future prophecy. It's yet to be fulfilled. But there's a parallel between Daniel and Revelation 13. And this is what we read here in verse 7. And it was given unto him, that's the Antichrist, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And notice this, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nation. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. This man exercised political power. Could I tell you something else? In the foreshadowing of the Antichrist, he exercised religious power. Why did Nebuchadnezzar build this image? Yes, he was so full of pride, that was one of the reasons. But but why did he really build it? Here's the answer, he wanted men to worship him. If you look very carefully at Daniel chapter 3, you'll see the word worship in verse 5. You'll find the word worshipeth in verse 6. Worship the golden image in verse 7. Worship the golden image in verse 10. Look with me at verse 11, verse 12, verse 14, verse 15, and verse 18. And it all contains the word worship. Nine references about the worship of the golden image. You see, this man, Nebuchadnezzar, was exercising religious power over the people. Now, you think of a man's religion tonight. Surely it covers every aspect of his life, what he believes and how he behaves. Is religion not really a very potent force in the earth? You think of what men have died for in the past. Many men have died for true religion. We think of our martyrs of the faith, biblical and historical. We think also of the fact that men are prepared to die for even false religion. You think of the jihadists that are waging holy war against the infidels. You think tonight even of the Jesuits. Don't they say tonight, give us a child until the child is seven? And we will so indoctrinate that child into our thinking and into our teaching that it'll never depart from its heart and mind. And isn't that true tonight In the Roman Catholic world, that there's thousands, no matter what Mother Church says or does, who are adherents to the teaching of the church. It's ingrained. And only the grace of our God can deliver them from such thinking and from such teaching. But what I want you to understand tonight is this, that the times of the Gentiles commenced and continued with religious idolatry. There was the worship of a great image, The image of Nebuchadnezzar. He's the most powerful man on the earth. And we think of the place tonight. Ancient Babylon. Think of the potentate. Remember he's described in Daniel 2 and 37 as king of kings. Think of the plan. This is an idolatrous religious worship. And it had universal support. If you think about the captains the governors, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province were gathered to gather unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And when they heard the sound of the six different instruments that were being used, according to verse 5, Nebuchadnezzar was using his power to unite the peoples over the emperor in religious idolatry. And as at the beginning of the times of the Gentiles, as they have commenced with religious idolaters' worship, so I believe they'll end. You think of the final Antichrist, I believe he will model himself on the first Antichrist. He too will defy himself, he'll build an image, he'll show signs and wonders in heaven. Vast crowds will gather in the face of the earth. If we read again from Revelation chapter 13, it says, And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he hath power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. Listen to verse 15. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. You think of this image tonight. This image comes to life and it speaks and the image commands to be worshiped. And those that will not worship the image—they're going to be killed—and and it meets with universal support and approval. And they're all wandering after him. They're turning from the true worship of God to the worship of a man. And over there in the book of Deuteronomy, we read in Deuteronomy chapter thirteen a statement is being made there. It says. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign of the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, let us serve them. Verse 3, Thou shall not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. The Bible tells us in Isaiah eight and twenty to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. We are living in a day when we're beginning to see the fulfillment of biblical prophecy in this area. We live in an age of learning, an age of invention knowledge has greatly increased, an age of travel, an age of communication. You think tonight if the whole world can watch this broadcast or any other broadcast on the um, internet or the television screen, you you, you think of the, the mass means of communication. See, I believe that the days are fast approaching that we're going to see a revival of the old Roman Empire I believe that it's in the process of being formed. I believe that the European Union is only a harbinger or a messenger, and it will eventually morph into a ten-province confederacy. It'll become a, a loosely, partly united confederacy, and yet powerful enough to be a trading block in the face of the whole world. And I believe that we'll see a revival of political Babylon. I believe that we're witnessing a revival of ecclesiastical Babylon headed up by the papacy tonight. Remember, the Church of Rome was a mixture of Judaism, pseudo-Christianity, and Babylonian superstition and religion all rolled into one. If we were to ask tonight, what's the message of the Church of Rome? You know, of course, that they're fundamentally and totally opposed to and deny the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Remember, salvation is found in Christ alone. Through faith alone, by the grace of God alone, grounded of course in the blood sacrifice alone. The Church of Rome denies the blood atonement of Christ as being sufficient for the salvation of the soul. And there you've got the repetition of the sacrifice in the Mass. It denies, of course, the mediatorial um, redeemership and of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Bible says in First Timothy 2 and 5, for there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And the Church of Rome, of course, adds another mediator called Mary. And they look upon her as the Queen of Heaven. And they engage in mariolatry. And they've made Mary a co redemptrix or a co-mediatrix with Christ. They, of course, deny the Bible as the only authority for faith and practice. They want to add creeds and traditions of men. They believe that the people need a priest to forgive them their sins. They believe the Pope of Rome is the vicar of Christ on earth. They believe that salvation is bound up in belonging to the mother church. And yet the Bible tells us in Acts 4 and 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And here's the great men of the earth in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, intelligent men, high-ranking men, along with the common people, and their craving, their longing for signs and wonders. And the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5, Take heed that no man deceive you. There's going to be false Christ, there'll be false prophets, there'll be false preachers. And, and the key attitude, the key test is what think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? What's their attitude to Christ and his person and work? Remember, the Bible also says God shall send them strong delusion that they shall believe a lie. And the Bible tells us to the law and to the testimony if they speak not according to this word. It is because there's no light in them. Now what do I learn from Daniel 3? I learn about the foreshadowing of the Antichrist in the setting up of this image. And as it was in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, so too will it be in the days of the final Antichrist. He too will deify himself. And people will worship his image. I want you to think secondly and very quickly. The faithfulness of the advocates. You see glory to God in Daniel 3 we read about a remnant. And like in Daniel's day so what will also be in the end of the world. Three men we know their names. We've got their pagan names. We've also got their um, Hebrew names. And these three men stood as a remnant for God against an idolatrous statue men of principle men of integrity men who were faithful to god faithful to god's message see what was god's message well god's message is found in the book of exodus in exodus chapter 20 and it says there in uh, verses um one and two and three if i can read them out to you um Listen to the word of God and God speak all these words saying I am the Lord thy God which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage thou shalt have no other gods before me thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of any thing that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy on the thousand Of them that love me and keep my commandments There's the first two commandments No other gods before me Not to make any other image Not to give the glory or worship to another Not to fall down and worship an image Now in Daniel's day it wasn't easy for these three young men Some would have said it was unsafe and unwise This was a do or die situation I thought to myself what if it had been me What if it was you? Thank God there was a a remnant that stood against this rampant religious idolatry. Doesn't the Bible tell us, thy word is truth? It's truth from the beginning. I believe the Bible from Genesis through to Revelation. Daniel, of course, was a real man. Daniel's friends were real men of flesh and blood. These events that are recorded in the book really happened, and the message is recorded for us to learn. Remember, all four emperors have come and gone. The empires have come and gone. We believe, of course, in the veracity of the word of God. These were faithful to God's message, but they were faithful as God's men. I've already told you they had pagan names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Ad and Abednego. Uh, their real names were Mishael, which means the strength of God. Hananiah means the grace of God. Azariah means the Lord is my help. And they didn't forget their um, original names. They didn't forget their Hebrew names. They didn't forget about the Lord. There they are in verse uh, 17. If it be so, Our God whom we serve You see even in Babylon they were serving God They were united and resolved in their day and generation Not to engage in idolatry Why? Because it was against God's message And they were God's men And they were faithful to God's word And God's way And God's will Regardless of what the rest did Regardless of what others did And you know what we need today? We need young people To be faithful unto God There's loads of peer pressure today Many feel pressurized to behave and act in a certain way Remember with choices come consequences Maybe you're going to be pressurized into engaging smoking Or the drinking of alcohol Or going to the dance Or taking drugs Or sexual immorality Or maybe even idolatry itself Or covetousness And these young men stand as a timely example and I asked the question, how faithful are we tonight to the word of God? How faithful are we to the day of God? How faithful are we to the name of God? How faithful are we to the cause of God? How faithful are we to the work of God? Can we say with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? Can, can you say of these three young men, our God whom we serve? You see, they were faithful despite the fury of King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, he could take their life at a whim. He was an absolute monarch. These three young men stand as a great example of faithfulness. And I believe God is looking for faithful young men and women today in our church. Our church faces great challenges. We realize that there's many, many bitter disappointments in life's journey. And you need the Lord. And the Lord needs you, faithful young men and women, to make a decision. I'm going to be faithful to my God, Uh, to 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 have that desire and to, to have that discipline, that you're going to take a stand for truth and righteousness. And I believe, of course, that our free Presbyterian Church needs a generation of young men and young women who will make a decision that they're going to be faithful of God. And I ask you tonight, will you be that man? Will you be that woman? We need young men to carry on the work. We need God to raise up a race of gospel preachers. We need young men who can pray. Young men who can present themselves to the Lord. Young men who can participate in the work and witness of God. Young men who will praise the Lord. Young men who would be willing to support the work in whatever way practically they can. I learned a little thing many years ago, little as much when God is in it, even more than wealth or fame, there's a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. You see, in Daniel's day, there was a tiny remnant. And they advocated the true religion because of God's message. And they were saying that we're God's men. And they stood up for God. And when everybody else fell on their face, they, 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 they stood on their feet. There's faithfulness of the advocates. I want to close tonight. I want you to think of the fury of the authoritarian. Do you know the Bible tells us here in Daniel 3, this is the third thing that I learn. then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. It says in verse 19, which wasn't part of our text, Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These young men experienced the full fury of Nebuchadnezzar's wrath. Remember, he's an absolute monarch. He could slay them at a whim. And he has them that same hour thrown alive into the fiery furnace. And he did so upon the basis of an examination. Could I remind you tonight that you're going to stand before a greater monarch? Nebuchadnezzar was indeed king of kings. But he wasn't the king of kings. The king of kings is the true and the living God. The Bible tells us that every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. You'll give an account of your life and your stewardship. And I ask you tonight, will you be a good and faithful servant? Will you hear words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter thou in to the joy of thy Lord? Or will the king on that day of examination say to you, thou wicked and slothful servant? We thought about Mr. Lazy in the children's talk this morning. The word lazy isn't found in our authorised version But the word slothful is Seventeen times A slothful man of course is full of his own conceit He refuses to listen to advice Even if seven good men would give him that device But you know on that day it will be too late For those that are wicked and slothful In relation to the things of God The Lord Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount Said these words in chapter seven. Not every one that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many mighty works, and then will I profess unto them I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. On that day when your life's examined, will you hear, thou wicked and slothful servant? Or will you hear, good and faithful servant? You see, what type of servant you are depends upon whom you serve. Do you serve self or do you serve the Savior? Are you saved tonight? Have you got down on your knees and confessed you're a sinner? Have you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Can you say with Paul, for me to live as Christ and to die as He, and as the motto for your life, living for the Savior? You see, God is looking for faithfulness. He has revealed himself as a faithful God. Jeremiah says, great is thy faithfulness. And he's looking for those that are faithful in living for him and giving their lives to him. And if Nebuchadnezzar's wrath was aroused at the antics and the action of these three men and their attitude, then I put it to you, how much more shall the wrath of Almighty God not be aroused against those that live for self, that live in sin, That that say who is the Lord That I should obey him and, And live and die in such a state And then meet God In the judgment It will indeed Be a fateful day It will be a final day A day when your doom Will be fully Declared And your doom will be fully Sealed I say to you tonight You think about the fury here Of the authoritarian monarch Nebuchadnezzar at these young men and then you think about the fury of God in relation to you about your life and about your sin I remind you of a soul that you need to be saved and I urge you tonight to repent and receive the gospel here's taking a faithful stand against an idolatrous statue There was a foreshadowing of the Antichrist here. There's the faithfulness of the advocates of true religion here. And there's a fury of an authoritarian monarch. And it's all bound up in this chapter. I commend it to you. I pray the Lord will bless you. I pray the Lord will help you tonight to apply the word of God to your heart.